Luke chapter number 17. One thing that the Lord uh, has been working on me and reminding me, you'll, you'll know that our, our theme this year, if you will, is, of course, having 2020 vision and uh, having a spiritual vision. I love what Julie said, by the way, a little while ago. Um, I don't remember having that conversation. Julie, if we did, I forgot about it, but, but we're on the same page. She mentioned that we don't really have a goal, and she was good with that, and I'm in the same place. Uh, I'd rather not have a number this year and just see what God does. And, and as long as we are faithful to what he enables and calls us to do and empowers us to do, then whatever God does will be enough. Sometimes I think maybe we get a little too focused. In fact, I know we get a lot too focused on a number. Uh, and that went outside of this church all over the place last year. The Lord blessed, and, and uh, we packed what we would consider to be a lot of boxes, right? I, what was it, 2019 boxes? And that went around all over the place. It made it all the way to Boone, uh, to OCC headquarters, and uh, all of the regional, and I don't know how they have it all structured, but it ran all the way up the pipeline to the point where they were threatening to come down here and do a story and publish it and do all of this. That's fine, but to God be the glory. We did not do anything other than what God enabled us to do. And that would be the message would have shared and, and we have shared with anybody that asks. Friends, it's not about 2019 anythings. It's about 2019 times 7 to 10 because that's how many people will hear the gospel as the result of every single one of those boxes. 7 to 10 people hear the gospel as a result of just one box. That's why we do it. We don't do this because of anything we gain from. We gain plenty, do we not? It's a phenomenal blessing to be a part of something like this. But that's not why we do it. We do it because God has commissioned us to see the boys and girls, moms and dads, people all around the globe come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And so that's why we do it. And since it is God's purpose to fulfill, we'll fill however many boxes God purposes for us to fill. With that being said, those boxes are going to fill themselves. And so uh, this year, uh, last year, we ran at a tremendous financial deficit to, uh, uh, to complete 2019 shoeboxes. The giving was substantial for it. But you're talking about a project that was north of $60,000. Uh, and so uh, a tremendous amount of that, roughly 35-ish percent of that number, came out of the church general fund. Praise the Lord for that. Praise God that he had already put it there that we could do that. We need to not do that again this year. And so I would say to you that even though, even some of you that may be visiting from the north and you, you winter here, as you think about us throughout the year, pray for us. And uh, not only pray, but be actively involved. Uh, a check in the mail once in a while, as God allows uh, would, would go out, and it's my commitment to you once again that every single penny you send to this place for OCC will go to OCC. It won't go to anything else. It will only be spent for what God has provided it for. And so uh, that's my commitment to you. But we'll do whatever God purposes for us. And then uh, in thinking of that 2020 vision, putting this all together, I mentioned to you a number of times now that that early on last year, or late last year, early on in this process of praying and thinking about, Lord, what would you have us do in 2020? 
the Lord really made it clear to me that, well, the external things are excellent, and he has called us to do those things, but the external things depend on what's going on internally with each one of us as individuals. And so we began looking at Titus. We're not done with Titus, by the way. We'll come back to that, uh, Lord willing, even next week. But today, the Lord uh, reminded me of something in the last couple of weeks uh, while we were away with some family and just resting in the Lord, frankly, and, and, and kind of recharging our batteries. About the middle of this last week, Julie and I both looked at each other and I said, you ready to go home? She goes, yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> uh, time, time, time to get busy, time to get back at it. The Lord reminded me of something this week uh, that's been a tremendous blessing, friends, and that is the fact that so much of our walk with the Lord is based on, what, on things that he has told us to do. Oftentimes, we expect God to do everything because the Bible says in terms of salvation, he does do everything. In fact, everything that we have comes from him. We have nothing, including the air that we're breathing right now. We have nothing that he doesn't give to us moment to moment to moment. However, when it comes to our walk with the Lord, God says and Jesus reiterates and teaches all throughout the New Testament that if we will do this, then he will do that. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then he will hear and answer. And we see that through the New Testament also. And so this morning we want to look at just one of these principles that is so fundamental to our walk with the Lord. And that is that, that little catchphrase, don't let this be just some cliche term, having an attitude of gratitude. Because this is so fundamentally important. Let me question. Half empty or half full? Oh, sure, you're going to say that now. <laughs> half full. Or maybe you're looking at it this morning and thinks maybe it's not been such a great week for you. And you look at that and go, yeah, it's half empty. That, that could be filled up to here, but this is just empty space and you know, missed opportunity. It's half empty. And friends, the reality is it's the same glass, right? It's the same amount of water. But your perspective, an incredibly important word, your perspective will have such a massive impact on your life even in the midst of the exact same scenario that someone else may be going through. But if they have a different attitude, they will see it totally differently than you do. Uh, right then you made a decision in your thinking process. You didn't even necessarily think about it. You just made a decision, half empty, half full. Two very different paths that lead to do two different places. And when it comes to happiness, joy, and fulfillment in life, friends, listen to this, attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. God feels very strongly about this matter. For example, back in Numbers 14, uh, this gets uh, revealed to us. God pronounced judgment on the entire nation of Israel, on everybody 20 years old and older, that they would all die in the wilderness in desolation. Why? Because they did not have a heart of gratitude. They were unthankful. Friends, think about that for just a moment. Now, we think of what we would consider to be heinous sins, right? Things, things that to us are just, oh, that's so wicked. That's so awful. 
And yet, God puts right in the middle of so many of those lists in the Bible of crimes, things like unthankful, ungrateful. Well, boy, we just bounce right across that, don't we? And we keep on moving. Because this, this thing of ungratefulness and a, a lack of gratitude to the Lord and an unthankful spirit toward Him impacts everything else in your life, literally everything. A good friend said one time many, many years ago, I've never forgotten this, this was in the course of a, a business meeting we were sitting in. And he was making a presentation, and, and I don't even remember what he was talking about. All I remember is this one statement he made. 95% of what you see in life depends on what you're looking for. 95% of what you see in life depends on what you're looking for. If you want to look for the ugly, oh boy, that's not hard to find. If you want to find the beauty, that's not hard to find either. If you want to find God at work, if you want to see God's blessings in your life, are you looking for them? Our pastor in Indiana uh, used to say that, that we need to look at the world through heavenly glasses. I like that, that concept. And he put that together with, with wisdom, having God's perspective on everything. If you are looking for God's blessings, friends, you will not come up empty, and you will not lack for seeing them. Depends on what you're looking for. The point here is that those who choose to live in murmuring are choosing to live in desolation in a spiritual desert. So friends, may I say with, to you with all the love in my heart today, if you're living spiritually withered, perhaps it's very strongly likely that you're living without gratitude to the Lord. Maybe you're getting caught up in this whole entitlement uh, uh, concept. I mean, it, when you look at what's going on in our nation, never in my lifetime would I have thought that a leading candidate for any nomination would be a socialist in the United States. That's mind-boggling to me. And, and I'm not even talking about the political stuff. I'm just talking about, and, and, and I can tell you why this is happening. Why we are faced with potentially a socialistic president in the U.S. This is just an illustration, by the way. This is not the sermon, because it doesn't matter <laughs> in spiritual terms. But what you need to understand is this. The reason stuff like this can happen is because people are unthankful, and they're entitled, and it's what's in it for me, without any concept, without any care or thought for the cost. And I'm not just talking about money. What would it cost? I, I actually saw something. I don't remember how I saw this yesterday, but somebody was talking about after 9-11, our nation came to a place where we had to ask the question and begin to answer it. How much freedom are you willing to give up to be safe? It's a fair question. It's a legit question. The problem I have with it is, well, it depends on how you're going to provide that safety. Am I going to look outside of God? Am I going to look to a government? Am I going to look to other people to provide that? Or am I going to uh, uh, stand on the Lord and am I going to be bold myself? You know, so all kinds of arguments there. But friends, the point is, the way to combat all of this, all of it, not just politics, the way you combat uh, uh, wickedness and sin in this world, the way you combat hunger and abuses and, and neglects, and when, the way you combat all of this stuff is spiritually. And then you get involved. You take action. You do the right thing. But it starts, friends, 
with your attitude. If you have a gloom and doom attitude and you just throw up your hands and say, oh, it's, it's terrible, it's, it's, it's nothing I can do about it, well, then you won't do anything about it. But if you have a, an attitude of gratitude and you say, Lord, I understand that stuff's getting ugly, but you said it was going to be this way. And in fact, you said, Lord, it's going to get even worse. And in the midst of all the ugliness, Lord, I'm going to thank you for saving my soul. Amen. That even if they come and take my life, I win. Help me, Lord, to be obedient to you and walk with him in this spirit of gratitude. Look, you want joy in your life? Go like this. You want joy? It starts with an, a heart of gratitude. Look at Luke 17, starting in verse number 11. As we open God's word, let's pray. Father, I pray now that as we open your word, that you would speak to us. I pray to your Holy Spirit of God that you would work in the hearts of people today. Help those of us that have been saved by the blood of Jesus to have a heart of gratitude. Lord, speak to us from your word today. Perhaps there are some here that the starting place would be coming to you for the first time. Give them that clarity as well, Father. Help us all to know that we are in a place amongst people who love, that there's no judgment here. There is only people who want to introduce some to Jesus for the first time, and then there are people who want to encourage others in your word. Lord, help us in gratitude to love you and to love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 11, And it came to pass as he, Jesus, went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village there, he met ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. You all know why this is significant, right? Why they stood afar off. Uh, we know today that leprosy is caused by bacteria. It's very easily treated today. Back then, it was devastating to a community because it's highly contagious. And if you were diagnosed with leprosy, you had to live outside the city. You were quarantined, in essence, uh, outside of town. That's why it says they stood afar off. Now, there's also a significance here between Samaria and Galilee. The Samaritans were considered second-class citizens, I guess you might say. And they were looked down upon by, uh, by those in Galilee. Okay, so uh, he's passing through both countries. Verse 13 now, And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Now, why would he tell them to go show themselves to the priests. Well, you'd have to go read in the Old Testament the entire process of people, uh, of the nation of Israel being instructed by God to deal specifically with leprosy. And part of that was that the, anybody who uh, thought they might have leprosy had to go to the priest, and the priest made that distinction based on what God had revealed. So that's why that's important, all right? Just, just so you know what's going on there. Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, as they went, they were cleansed curious word. Remember that word. They were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so we know here that cleansing and healing are the same thing, okay? He turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his, Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. He was not one of the upper class he was not well received. This is a guy who got shunned by the community. He was an outcast, and yet he humbles himself and he falls 
on his face. He is that humble. Verse 17, and Jesus answering said, we're not, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way. Thy faith hath made thee, what? Whole. Hmm. An even curiouser word. A whole lot more meaningful than healed or cleansed. The lepers represent every person on the face of the planet. Every person needs God. Every person needs Jesus. And leprosy here is symbolic of the condition of sin. And only one of them came back to thank Jesus personally. Now, they were all quick to beg God to do something for them. It's all about them and none about him. Do we not see that in, in society today? Not just the U.S., but you still see that all over the world, right? What are you going to do for me? What have you done for me lately? Kind of an attitude. And yet, notice the humility here. One who was considered an outcast came back and acknowledged God. Ten blessings bestowed, ten choices made. And Jesus responds then, as we saw in verses 17 through 19. Now, you'll notice here that the Bible says that this man was made whole. It does not use the word healed or cleansed. Only the one who was grateful and thankful was made whole. Not only did he receive physical healing, the others did too, right? We saw that. They all received healings, a, a physical healing. They all had the leprosy removed, but only one was made whole. Now get this, friends. If we're going to make a spiritual application, we could say that these ten uh, 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 in spiritual terms, were saved. But only one was made whole. Only one became the complete person that God intended for him to be. And why did it happen that way? It started with him. It started with his attitude. If you will, it started with his response to God. And we see very specifically what that response is. It starts with humility. Falling on his face, the Bible. That's not kneeling. That's not going down to one knee. That's going all the way down, laying down on the ground with your face in the carpet. That's how humble this guy is. And he knows that he is nothing without the God of heaven. And he gives God thanks. True, genuine. It's not just as, hey, thanks. You know, you and I do that all day, every day. Somebody hands you something, thank you. You know, and it's genuine, but it's not this, oh, I would have died without that, right? Maybe some of you experienced that before. Maybe, maybe a doctor has done something that, frankly, quite literally saved your life. And you have that heart of gratitude, and, and you'll see people do things like this. Like They'll go back to an EMS personnel who rescued them out of a car or, or out of a house that's on fire or something, and they'll go back, and they'll take gifts, and they're so thankful to that person or those people who saved their life. Friends, have we ever had that kind of hum a, a humble gratitude to God who saved our souls? Not only has he given us life in this lifetime, he has given us life eternal. Have I ever had that kind of heart of gratitude for him for that? 
The word translated here as whole means to save, to keep safe and sound, to rescue from danger or destruction, to save a suffering one, to preserve one who is in danger of destruction. Friends, it's not talking about physical healing, but because of his heart of gratitude, he experienced God in a very real, spiritual way. He experienced the power and the awesomeness of God, and he personalized that by recognizing its source and giving praise and glory back to God. Faith grows in the soil of thankfulness. If you want your faith in God to grow, start by cultivating gratefulness in your heart. Look, some preachers get upset when I say stuff like this. If it's not genuine for you right now, fake it until you make it. It takes 29 to 36 days for something to become a habit. In other words, it takes 29 to 36 days for you to really truly personalize something new. Doesn't matter what it is. For something to become habitual for you, it takes repetitive, everyday, rep uh, uh, behavioral concentration for 29 to 36 days. So if you're sitting here today and you're just not really into this concept, I'm good, Lord, I'm good. Start praying, Lord, thank you for, and be specific about something. Maybe it's your spouse. Maybe it's your kids. It can even be something materialistic. Thank you for that nice car. Thank you for that house. Thank you for the money in the bank. I don't care what it is. Give him thanks for something. I would encourage you to do it a couple times a day. Do it every day. And I promise you, friends, I promise you, I guarantee you, the more you do it, by the end of that 36th day, your list of things for which you are thankful will be long. And it will be sincere. And by the way, don't stop at 30. That's just when it finally becomes habitual. After that, you won't be able to pray without saying thanks to the Lord. I don't like to embarrass people, but there's another guy here whose initials are Terry Ireland. You cannot talk to Terry for any length of time whatsoever without him using terms like thankful, grateful, gratitude. If, if you were to ask him to pray, if you're around him when he prays, 75% of his prayer is composed of thank yous and gratitude. And it's, it's a very humble expression when he prays it. Sometimes he gets kind of quiet and you got to lean in because he's humble before the Lord. Terry, that's a blessing to me to listen to you pray, brother. That's why I call on you all the time. I love to hear you pray. Because it's a heart of gratitude, and, and it's genuine in him. And, and I'll tell you one way for you to gain a heart of gratitude is remember where you came from. Remember what he brought you out of. And if you're still in it, thank him for what he's going to do. I, 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 it's important to me, and I'll just own this one. It's important to me to, to, to thank him for what he's going to do. He's going to do whatever he's going to do. And it's important to me to have that heart of gratitude before he even before I even see it. Look with me at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. This is a big deal to God, friends. If we're going to be successful for him and with him at any level, 
we have to have grateful hearts. Romans 1, look starting at verse number 19. Romans 1, 19. The Bible says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. Now watch this. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Now, here's what the Bible's saying here, just, just to kind of bring this off. The Lord is saying that creation is the proof of God. God's creation, uh, Ray Comfort says it really neat. I like the way he says it. He says, the painting is proof that there was a painter, correct? Creation is proof that there is a creator. And we know him by his word to be uh, God. Even Creation even spells out his eternal power and his Godhead. Verse 21 now, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Now watch this. Neither were thankful. And as a result, became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves wise, they became fools. Friends, you look at any secular university, you look at politics, you look at entertainment, you look at anything that is of the world, anything that is outside the scope of God's righteousness, and this is what you see, right? We see people professing themselves to be wise, and nothing but foolishness flies out of their mouths. And we see that their foolish hearts are darkened. They become vain in their imaginations. They become immensely conceited. They think that because they make a movie, that somehow their opinion of things matters more than anybody else's. I'll never understand that one. Because they pretend for a living. Somehow that makes them smarter or more valuable than everybody else. A pretender. Think about this, friends. I mean, think about the people that you uh, perhaps admire. And then think about what it is they do for a living. And how they spend their life. It is all about them. The very same people, this is another one that gets me, these same people with millions upon millions of dollars and homes worth millions of dollars will go on TV or wherever, uh, online, whatever it is, pushing this charity cause, whatever it may be. And they're wanting everybody else to throw their dollars in the pot, but they never tell you how much they put in the pot to begin with, right? They become vain in their imaginations. They become very, very conceited. All because, friends, they start with a heart that is not grateful. Friends, it all hinges on thankfulness. It's a matter of understanding that we are completely dependent on Him. When you came in here this morning, what was your attitude? What was your motivation for coming here today? Was it, what am I going to get out of this? Am I going to like the music? Am I going to be fed? I've heard all of those things before. And frankly, those people aren't here anymore. And, and that's not a judgment. I'm, I'm just saying that that breaks my heart. I've heard others say, uh, whatever, the music's too loud. The music's not loud enough. The music's too contemporary. The music's too traditional. I've heard all of it. What is in your heart is what God wants to know. It doesn't make any difference to me. Well, it does, because I love you. But friends, 
It matters to God. What is in your heart? Are you thankful? The way to put off complaining and living in the wilderness is to fill your life with genuine thankfulness. We don't have time to go to Psalm 107. I encourage you to go take a look at that look this week and see what a thankful lifestyle looks like. Even the secular world knows that happiness and fulfillment are a result of a lifestyle of thankfulness. All kinds of studies have borne this out. But friends, this, this matter of gratitude, of gratefulness to the Lord is so imperative. And in Psalm 107, you'll see the psalmist exclaiming out of his heart, Oh, that men would see his goodness and rejoice and be thankful in their hearts. Oh, he exclaims. He cannot contain it. So friends, when you cultivate that gratefulness in your heart, the joy explodes out of you, and it becomes contagious. And you won't have a choice but to be joyful because the joy of the Lord springs up in you when you have a heart of gratitude toward him in the midst of all of it. Look, I understand that there's, there's plenty of pain and brokenness in life. Isn't that right, Judy? It hurts when, when, when you crash an ATV and your body is broken and it hurts and it's painful. And, and I understand that there are kinds of, all kinds of emotional, very real hurts too. But in the midst of all of it, have that heart of gratitude. Have that heart of thank you, Lord. We're, we're thankful, Judy, that you're still here, frankly. That ATV crash could have ended a whole lot differently. It was, it was serious. She laid out in the woods for who knows how long before anybody found her. She hit a tree on an ATV going somewhere close to, I, I think Ron told me, 50 miles an hour. And she was messed up and broken. And I'm thankful that you're still here today. And I've heard nothing but a heart of gratitude out of her. I've heard no grumbling and complaining. You know that hurts. You know, she's still going through pain, are you not? Sure. But in the midst of it, she is thankful. That's a blessing, Judy. Thank you. Thank you for being a blessing. And I know so many of others of you have had emotional stuff going on that, that's outside of your control. Maybe it's family members who break your heart. And in the midst of it, you praise the Lord and you pray for them anyway. You keep doing that. You keep doing that. Not only for their benefit, but for yours. Because it's so easy to get sucked up by that stuff, is it not? In the flesh, it's really easy to get sucked up by that stuff. I get it. The way you combat it is a heart of gratitude. Father, we thank you for your Bible this morning.